Hey, Mary. Yes, Katie. How do you save a dying pirate? Ooh, um, mm, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> CPR. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello and welcome to the Gentleman Pirates Library, a podcast covering every episode of the HBO show Our Flag Means Death. I'm Katie. And I'm Mary. And today we'll be taking a deep dive into episode five, The Best Revenge is Dressing Well, or the one where piracy and aristocracy are very violent and Lucius calls Izzy the spewer. But first, let's have a look at the results of our Twitter poll. This week, we asked you, what would you pull first from Steed's auxiliary wardrobe? So we we went directly from the text and we used as options uh, winter jackets, autumn vibe and summer linen. But we mm-hmm. also added a little extra one in there. <laughs> right. We added Ed's discarded leather, which uh, is no surprise one, because who doesn't want? Blackbeard's discarded leather, honestly. Mm, mm. <laughs> uh, I want that that motorcycle jacket like so badly. Oh, I know with one arm cut off. Like yes. how cool is that? I love it. <laughs> it's I amazing. Love it. So that one with forty four percent coming in next was summer linen with thirty percent, autumn vibe twenty three percent, and only one point six percent was winter jackets. I think everyone's over the winter, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say exactly. I feel like we pulled this at a time where people are just finally starting to have some good weather outside and so any idea of a winter jacket is probably just abhorrent honestly (laughs) and and we are obviously in the northern hemisphere so yes Yes. for sure i'm sure that it's a little different in in australia and new zealand but anyway there you go (laughs) all right well are we ready to dive into this episode i think so So what did you think of this episode? Because this is the first time that you're watching it with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It was really interesting. I, you know, there was so much buildup. Like I watched the first four. I stopped. I waited. And this did not disappoint. Like it was (laughs) amazing. It was amazing. The the two different storylines were both amazing. Mm -hmm. I I think we were messaging back and forth because we were watching it at the same time immediately (laughs) after recording episode four and it was just it was yeah I can't I'll just gush of how great it was but I really love uh learning that Blackbeard's interest in Steed is a possibly a little more calculated than I originally thought because we learned through his backstory that he's struggling as a person of color to fit into a society that devalues him yeah and he can be a successful and as infamous as possible on the fringes of society, but he'll always be looked down upon for something mm-hmm. he can't change about himself. And we're really seeing that come through with him trying to ingratiate himself in this different society. Oh yeah, definitely. It's just so interesting to me that, you know, this silly little pirate show is just every, every corner you look in is something really deep and meaningful. Absolutely. I honestly, like, I really agree with this. I, 
this episode really surprised me in many ways mm-hmm. and made me uncomfortable in other ways. And in, like, I really had to look inward and yeah. observe things about myself and acknowledge things about myself uh, as a white person. Um, and, and this is something that I've been doing for some time too. It's to kind of where I've sort of been rethinking my definition of violence Um, Mm -hmm. because what we're seeing in this episode is violent from the beginning to the end. And, uh, obviously it's very obvious in a pirate's life, or at least it looks a lot like what we're used to seeing, but we also really see the violence in aristocracy. And so we'll get into the details of that, but I really want to keep an eye out for forms of violent oppression in this episode, particularly racism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, Everyone is so focused on the queer aspects that mm-hmm. sometimes the uh, the racism gets kind of set to the side. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that, I mean, this is ultimately a story about class and society and racism and all, all of the different forms of oppression. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some of the best media kind of pulls you in. It, I'm imagining like a general audience viewer who is watching this for just the surface jokes. And then there's something that makes them go, huh? You know, yes, exactly. There's just a point where they're like, ha 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 ha. Wait, (laughs) that's like, (laughs) yeah, I'm really, I really hope that, you know, if they shove enough in there and there's enough undertones and it's done smartly and it's done well and Mm -hmm. it's done, to show the ridiculousness of racism and classism that someone will, that will spark something inside someone to maybe look at themselves. I hope so. I really hope so. (laughs) My goodness. Well, let's dive in and see what we find. Okay. So we open with both crews. They're on a tender overlooking a merchant vessel and Blackbeard is kind of telling them like, Oh, there's no visible cannons. This is obviously a merchant ship. And they're training the crew of the Revenge very formally to be pirates, which is just so funny to me because I thought this would be a little bit more informal, but it's very much like, you shall watch and observe. (laughs) Well, again, who says that? It's Izzy. Yeah, Izzy says, crew of the Revenge, you are to observe how real pirates function in the real world. And of course, Black Pete takes exception to this. He's like, um... (laughs) we are also real pirates in the real world. And they're like, no, (laughs) exactly. And I feel, I feel like we've sort of circled this conversation for a while about Izzy and like his role on the show. And I feel like this episode is really giving us a lot more information about him. A Um, lot more information. Right. And even in this particular instance, like he's saying, you're here to observe real pirates in the real world, world, like replace pirate with man. And you've got a really rigid idea of what masculinity is. And basically like no one, on the revenge adheres to that narrow definition but it matters to Izzy and he's like imposing it on himself and on others including Blackbeard and I'm starting to think that like his obsession with the pirate code is actually an obsession with traditional and toxic ideas of masculinity it's very true I think the fandom kind of hoodwinked me on the perception of Izzy yeah Um, because I was not expecting this storyline with Izzy to happen. And I think they kind of, I got a perception of, of a little bit more, um, accepting a little bit more queer 
read of Izzy because that's what the fandom did. And that's fine. You're mm-hmm. allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, but just without having seen the source material in the context yet, I had a different view of him and i'm like oh oh okay okay this is gonna be a little bit different <laughs> yeah i feel like the fandom Which vision is of izzy is a little bit softer than like yes. the, the version of izzy that's on the show and at the same time i feel like that makes sense because and also we're only at episode five like we don't know what's going to happen also we maybe get there i mean maybe yeah. there's an arc and he softens or something like that so exactly. we'll see and we'll either see. way i think that you know i think when people like really believe in toxic ideas of masculinity like they're a victim of it at the same time they're an enforcer and a victim and that's really hard to kind of like sift through and so I think that in a fandom that's very queer you're for sure going to see that deconstruction and being like without that Izzy would be soft and so yeah Mm. I I love Mm. Izzy personally like (laughs) I do too I do too I <laughs> I wasn't expecting the storyline to go the way it was. Yeah. The way it did. And I'm excited to see what else happens. Exactly. But I've heard so much like, oh, you're just you're allowed to be and nobody questions it. And I'm like, oh, but Izzy's questioning it. Oh, Izzy's He's questioning made a fool it. Love, but yes. he is questioning it. Yes, so exactly. It, it's interesting. It's interesting. We'll get into it. Oh yeah, we will. All right. So they cut from being on this tender to a very violent raid mm-hmm. and Steed and Lucius are standing, observing, ducking away from the violence on the deck and <laughs> they're freaking out. Steed asks Lucius why he isn't taking notes. Uh, it's very violent. We cut to the title card, which is actually our flag means death carved into someone's chest, into yeah. a dead man's chest. Yeah. Um, very, very graphic, very cool looking. Um, and now after the raid, they're sitting on the railing of the deck and they're dictating steed is dictating to lucius how exciting their training has been yeah. and ivan comes up and they're all it's all so polite it's all so oh thank you well i find it so interesting too that steed i mean the first time that steed kind of like saw death he was just so upset yeah. about it and this time he's like oh this was fun <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting to me, too. I'm like, uh, wouldn't you be a little bit more traumatized? But, you know, this is what he's here for. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. And so Ivan comes up, asks if they've checked one of the bodies that's right in front of them. And Steed's like, oh, put that in the useful tip section that you have to raid the bodies. Ivan calls dibs on the gold teeth and starts yanking it very violently out of this person's head. And Steed's very impressed. And it cuts to Steed. Uh, looting books from the vessel, but replacing them with the books he's already read. And Blackbeard comes up and says, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, and he tells him what he's doing. He goes, yeah, that's not how looting works. And he gets really (laughs) mad. Like he tosses the book that Steed was going to keep. And then like when he's still kind of stuttering, he smacks all of the books out of Lucius's hand. And it's like, all right, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, Steed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like really his cute. own community library. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'll just, I'll get new books by raiding vessels, which is amazing. Yeah, it's exactly. so cute. So now we are on the deck. The captain of this vessel is lashed to a, to a pole, to the, I don't know what would you call that. What's the, um, the know. mast? The mast. Okay. Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't no? know. 
All right. Well, the captain of the ship is tied. The thing that's holding the the sails. You can tell that we're sailors, both of us. We sail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So he's, he's tied up. And Steed is has a knife to him and says, "Hand over the goods, dear boy, or I'll be obliged to unleash my vengeance. Will be, which will be quite unfortunate for both of us, the vengeancer and the vengeancee." <laughs> it's so bad, and it the is. guy just says no. <laughs> and so Blackbeard comes up, and Steed says, "How do I be more scary than that?" And he says he could try a little more oomph, <laughs> and he like he's dabs the the wood right next to the the captain's head and he starts screaming in his face the next one goes through your eyeball now where's the loot (laughs) (laughs) and of course the captain gives up his loot and uh blackbeard walks away and says see oomph (laughs) yeah there you go that's all you need so good so good then it cuts to inside the vessel they're at a dining table with a like a formal place setting and steed is showing blackbeard how to use the proper cutlery throughout a dinner so did you notice in that moment um that between steed and his books and then him showing ed how to use cutlery like it had some beauty and the beast vibes oh yeah and like so i I don't know about you but i grew up watching that movie and like Belle Uh with her love of for books and she's showing the beast how to use utensils and you know it's all fun and cute and oh yeah but the thing is like when i saw that it it made me uncomfortable because anytime that a black or indigenous man is made to look or be read as beastie it's usually racist and fetishizing but like yeah I kind of reminded myself, I'm like, but so far this show has like subverted so many of my expectations that like, Mm -hmm. I have to give it a chance and see like what happens. And I really wasn't disappointed by what happened next. Um, Yeah. We'll talk about that. But like, to me, like that meant that the take home message was that Blackbeard or Ed, right? Like I, I, Mm -hmm. is not to be seen as a beast, despite what previous media has taught us. Yes. Yeah. And it's very much a romantic trope too. Oh yes, that too. Which helps uh, inform the viewers that this isn't a bromance. It's a romance. Mm. Steed is showing him the different cutlery and he's, you know, we have the caviar spoon, the escargot fork, the lobster fork. He explains what escargot is. He says, uh, remember dining is, pageantry Pageantry. and blackbeard says this too so it's something he's already told him so this is an ongoing conversation where he showed him things exactly then he said i'd love to show you some more saucier spoons but there appears to be a distinct lack of those on this supposedly first class vessel so he's (laughs) throwing shade at at the vessel's uh, accoutrements basically yeah exactly he's like oh (laughs) these french people do not know (laughs) how to dine (laughs) yes and uh, the captain apparently he is tied up kind of over to the side and fang is standing over him and he said my apologies i hadn't imagined we'd be hosting your kind uh yeah and blackbeard says what kind what's that supposed to mean yeah and this is where the captain says, it means a rich donkey is still a donkey. Yeah. And I mean, 
I mean, that right there, just the racism of that alone. Mm -hmm. He didn't say anything about him being a pirate. He didn't say anything about him being violent. Mm -hmm. He called him a donkey. Yeah. And that is very much a racial slur. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. It's clearly meant to be read as that. And it's. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And. If I can just skip forward, like just a tad, like when, when Steed basically after that, because, you know, Ed, like then starts screaming at, uh, Mm -hmm. at the captain and Steed tells him like, not to worry about it. And, you know, don't debase yourself kind of thing. And like, I know that he has good intentions, um, because I think he's trying to like one deescalate the situation, which like why you're pirates, it doesn't really matter, but sure. like, you know, two, I think he's also trying to make Ed feel better. Yes, he is, but you're right. I mean, he, I don't think he's reading the situation properly either. Exactly. He's, like, and Steed isn't catching the meaning, or at least if he is, it's that very, it's something that white people do they're like oh someone else is being racist i'm just gonna be quiet about it hey hey let's not make a scene exactly like it just reads very much as like a well-meaning white person telling Mm -hmm. a racially oppressed person not to get angry but like anger is the expression of perceived injustice and Mm -hmm. um this is righteous anger in this moment that ed Mm -hmm. is feeling and like i sort of want to be clear that this is not a criticism of steed but more a reflection also on myself and things that like I uh, like I have had to undo and unlearn Mm -hmm. um, and that I hope to be it you know just just like putting a little like I don't want to say inspiring because that's just kind of silly but like I hope that some of our listeners are going to think about this and and try to unlearn that as well sure yeah it's a constant process exactly we are constantly trying and learning and listening and you know if at any point if someone who is a person of color wants to tell us something different and give us our feed give us their feedback that's i would love to listen to that oh certainly you know if if we're if we got the wrong impression i would love Mm -hmm. to know i mean we have the message in a bottle uh google form available if if you guys would like to to send us something anonymously you can find us on twitter like there's a a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to reach us sure sure so what he does say i i found it interesting um he gets very mad at at the slur yeah and says do you know where i'm from you don't know nothing about me mate i've got more riches than you can shake a stick at Mm. so he's trying to say you know he's trying to prove himself by saying how much money he has And ultimately, it's never going to matter, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, he says, once Steed has told him to ignore him, don't debase yourself for a man who hasn't a single terrine on board, which is just (laughs) the highest insult that Steed could give him. He says, you're right. No need to get riled. Fang, lash him to something very heavy and toss him overboard. And then he picks up the escargot fork and says skin him first and use the snail fork which is a very tiny fork Mm -hmm. so (laughs) steed looks properly shocked at this like oh oh, okay yep (laughs) (laughs) so now they cut to a flashback of blackbeard's mother and she is holding a piece of silk she is in like a almost like a maid a typical maid uniform Mm -hmm. um of the time so it looks like she's in service for this estate she calls it the carmody estate 
and she's holding out this red piece of silk uh, for a young Ed and saying, you know, this the Car- Carmody estate is full of things like this, beautiful things. And Ed asks, why can't we have things like this? And she says, well, it's not up to us, is it? It's up to God. Mm-hmm. He gets to decide who gets what. We're just not those kind of people. We never will be. Mm-hmm. So this is really <sighs> informative of where Blackbeard is coming from. Yeah. And like, we're really seeing, you know, how religion has been weaponized by oppressive systems to keep people, quote unquote, in the place that the oppressive system has decided for them, you know, Mm. because it's, uh, it's not God that decides that it's the oppressive system. Right. So, uh, they come back to him and he's actually, they're now on Steed's vessel in his library and, He's still, you can tell, really ruminating over all of this. Uh, Steed says, I can't help but notice that captain got under your skin. And here's where they have a really cute conversation about passive aggression. Yeah. And he says, uh, his words, they sounded polite, but they stung. Mm. And Steed says, yeah, that's called passive aggression. Pirates, they attack with force. The upper crust, they strike with cutting remarks disguised as politeness. Mm. And... Ed says that's fucking diabolical. Yeah. So I find that the phrasing of this whole exchange was so amazing mm-hmm. because like, so Steed calls it passive aggression, which I think is like a really great general term, but I would also like to offer microaggression to keep mm-hmm. with our yeah. theme of racism. And I think that this is also showing that Steed doesn't know how privileged he is because, Oh yeah, I definitely don't think so. Yeah. Right. Because he talks about class, but not about racism. This is when Frenchie comes in. Oh, Frenchie. I was so happy to see him. Yes. I love him. I love him. Yeah. He, I don't think we saw very much of him last episode and he he was so cute. Um, He's wearing like an all black uh, uniform and he says, what do you think? A couple of the suits from the fancy ship didn't have blood on them and weren't burned up. So I nabbed him. (laughs) (laughs) And he said he found an invitation to some kind of fancy party for hoity toity people. And Steed immediately says, oh, well, we won't be needing that. And uh, Blackbeard looks very alarmed. He's like, oh, no, 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 hang on. Oh, I, I, I don't care, but yeah, well. And so he very much wants to go to this party. He wants to go to the party so bad. It's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. I don't know. You know, I don't know his reasoning. I think it's just something new, something that, you know, Steed is kind of his ticket. He, yeah. Steed has been teaching all, him all of these things. And he's like, oh, okay, it's time to time to use these things I'm being taught. Like, yeah. let's do this, you know. So, but he's trying to act like he didn't care. <laughs> right. And, and I think that that to me is super interesting because like mm. we've never really seen Ed like have trouble talking about what he wants. <laughs> yes. Like he's usually very direct, but here he like you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really say it. He's sort of like, Oh, I I don't mind. Like there's, there's Mm. like something about it that makes him feel like uncomfortable about it or or, or maybe he shouldn't want to go. Like, it's not something that a real pirate quote unquote would do. Um, and, and I think that this again ties in with the theme of masculinity that we're seeing a lot in this episode. Mm -hmm. Eventually, of course, he bubbles up with excitement and he says it out loud, but it takes him a moment to get there. Yeah. 
at first he's like oh lame yeah. <laughs> i don't want to go to yeah. that i'll go if yeah. you want to <laughs> yeah but i don't care but yeah if you want to go but his eyes are just like pleading like oh god <laughs> please, please go please take me to the party <laughs> yeah. he said it would give me a chance to pra- practice my massive aggression and <laughs> steve corrects him that it's passive aggression and he's like yeah 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 i know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i took a so cute <laughs> I took a sip of coffee and uh, I was oh, not fine. expected the ma- the massive aggression. It's just so <laughs> casual. It'll give me a chance yeah. to practice my massive aggression, passive aggression. Oh, passive aggression. Like It's just yeah, so yeah. cute. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's so cute. Then we go to uh, a storeroom, uh, some sort of storage room, and it's uh wee John is sleeping by the door and you kind of see there's whispers, um, and you can't really see very well, but it's Lucius and Black Pete kind of off in the corner. They're kind of together whispering. You can hear, you know, shut up. You know, I'm trying to be quiet. You good? I'm good. And they're getting up and they're adjusting their clothing and all of that. This is when Izzy walks in. So it's very clear what they've been doing. Yes. And Izzy is very annoyed, I guess. He's like, okay. Yeah, what he's not happy about to? what he just saw. Yeah. And Wee John wakes up and says, oh, be a deer and make me one of those because he's drinking something. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> he just, he so does not care. And you have to think Wee John is, is massive in yeah. size. Like he can't be intimidated very easily by someone like Izzy, mm-hmm. especially. So, And Izzy is not incredibly tall either. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think he's oh, about... Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, but I don't think he's incredibly tall. So no, yeah, I for think sure. He's small. Yeah. He's fairly small. If you, even when he's talking to Lucius, he's looking up yeah. at him, you know, so he, he's kind of a small guy. Um, so he asks Black Pete and Lucius what they were up to. And he really focuses on Lucius. Black Pete just kind of becomes background. Right. Which is telling. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Black Pete says, we just took stock of the rations. And Lucius says, yeah, and we are good. <laughs> Very good. And they said, Izzy says, yeah, we all heard you. And he says, yeah, we love an audience. <laughs> so it's like, you know, if you're going to, okay. You know, if you're going to play this game, I will too. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so <laughs> this oh is one God. of my favorite lines. Izzy asks, do you think you're cute? And he says. Lucius says, actually, I think I'm just so-so, but I've decided to carry myself like I'm cute. (laughs) Which honestly is a really great mantra. Just saying, like, fake it till you make it. He's so self-aware and he's so, I just, Lucius But Lucius is a very, like, handsome guy, though. Like, he's not so-so, right? But it's just, he's so, he's so, um, I don't know, healthily aware yeah. of his of his sexuality aware of his being he is just you know unapologetically himself yes. and i absolutely love it and i i think that that's why he gets under izzy's skin so much yes yeah i think so uh so then there's this part where uh izzy starts going ooh ooh daddy daddy and i <gasps> i'm confused by it I don't understand it. So I don't know if you have a better grasp on it. Um, I think, 
I think he was literally trying. So if I'm reading this narratively, uh, because I do believe, I, I think I've read somewhere that this was ad libbed. Um, mm -hmm. But if I'm reading this narratively, I think that this is Izzy trying to make fun of Lucius, but it lands yeah. so flat and he realizes that he's made a fool of himself. Yeah, because no one else is laughing with him. Exactly. Okay, I can see that. It made me so uncomfortable when he was doing that. I was like, oh, God, what are you doing? Stop. <gasps> that I really couldn't I, I couldn't get past it. Uh, even the time I watched it the second time, I was like, what are you doing? Like, okay. And I, yeah, I mean, I, and clearly he's trying to make fun of him. Yeah. But... But yeah, I guess because no one else, I guess in any other situation, he would be surrounded by a crew that would like laugh with him and it would continue and he could ramp it up a little bit more. But since everyone's just staring at him like he's an idiot, he's like, okay, now I need to get angry. Yeah, I think it's because in this particular case, the butt of Izzy's joke would have been the fact that Lucius is gay. Yeah. But everyone around is like, that's not funny. And I yeah. think that this is like a really nice modeling of what happens when people around don't just automatically laugh at jokes mm -hmm. that aren't freaking funny. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, I do think that Con O'Neill saying daddy is incredibly funny. Um, it, it really is. Yeah. Right. But I think it becomes like an inside joke for people who are queer where it's like, mm. oh, okay. Like I, this, this is funny for other reasons, but I think narratively. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, That's my read on it. <laughs> I like your read on it. I was just, I was so uncomfortable. I was like, what are you doing? And I think <laughs> this is the moment that I was like, oh, okay. The, the fandom kind of hoodwinked me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was what really got me was like, Oh, 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 he's homophobic. He's, yeah. oh, okay. Like, we are going to be seeing this. I, I was under the impression that we weren't, mm -hmm. weren't going to be. And that's okay. That's okay. It was just, and it was me trying not to get spoiled and just seeing people's love for Izzy Haynes, mm -hmm. you know, on, on yeah. the timeline. So it's not the fandom's fault. And, you know, it's my fault for having any sort of interpretation while also trying not to absorb. Yeah, it's kind of honestly, it's kind of hard. But I, I agree with you that it the is. way that I've seen Izzy characterized on Twitter is not the way that I'm seeing him on screen. Yes. But I kind mm -hmm. of love it. And I think I also yeah. will definitely adhere to the fan and reading of him personally. Oh, sure. <laughs> so. Absolutely. That's that's the fun of it. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So now he says they're going to get specific duties. They're not going to let him just let everyone just lie around all day. So mm -hmm. Izzy's decided he's going to, you know, whip this crew into shape. Not just this crew, particularly Lucius. Particularly Lucius, yeah. yes. And uh, Lucius says, no thanks, Iggy. I only take orders from my captain. So he, <laughs> oh, it pisses him off so badly. Oh, and he yeah. says... My name is Mr. Hands, first mate Hands, or God, as far as you're concerned. <laughs> and then he calls him bitch. Yes. And says, follow me, which just, oh, oh so cutting. Well, I mean, um, this, uh, I think that this is like the cherry on top of the homophobic Sunday to say that, like, yes. uh, Luci that he does not see Lucius as a man. Uh, because, again, like these are experiences that gay men have lived where other men have called them feminizing names in order to make them feel less manly. Mm -hmm. 
So Izzy walks out and says, follow me. <laughs> and Lucius doesn't go. <laughs> and he calls him a little psycho. And him and Black Peter saying, hey, this was fun. It was fun. And then you hear Izzy, no. And he like runs away. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I pushed him a little too far. He's going to get really mad at me. Mm-hmm. So let's see. They we cut to the ship. At first, you know, I I missed that they were boarding another ship. I thought this was on land just because how large the rooms are. <laughs> like when we're at the party and then when they uh, when they cut when they're leaving the party at the end of the episode and it I was like, "Oh, damn, it's a ship." <laughs> yeah, I th- I honestly think that that's part of the charm of this episode again, like the yeah. whole, "Oh, this clearly wouldn't work on a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this floor plan is sus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay with it. Yeah. So they get on the ship and, and they're introducing themselves. The name that Steed takes on uh, because of the invitation is Sir Godfrey Thornrose. <laughs> but they give Blackbeard a chance to just give his own name. And so he comes up with Jeff. <laughs> The accountant. Oh and Fritchie looks at him and says, you know, you can pick anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love Frenchie in this episode. Oh I my love God, it. Yes. It's so clear that he is so comfortable in these spaces because he was in service yeah. in those spaces. And he is so savvy when it comes to it all. I just, I really love it. Yeah, for sure. Do you mind if we just take a, a quick step back? Like just, sure. just cause I have a question. Who made the sartorial decisions? Like, did Steed make suggestions as to what Ed should wear? Or did Ed pick the outfit by himself? Like, how did Um, that happen? You know, speaking of Beauty and the Beast, those ribbons in his (gasps) beard. Oh, my God. Are so much like Beauty and the Beast when they dressed him up. And then he just ultimately decided not to use it. But remember when he had like the curlers in his hair and the ribbons in his beard or his, you know, on his chin or whatever. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're so right. (laughs) And now I'm kind of wondering, does the does the costume mirror any of the beast's costumes? I don't think so. I don't don't remember purple being part of the beast no me neither. I thought it was blue, like navy blue. Yeah, it was always very blue. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I just... Okay. Wow. All right. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I didn't even connect Beauty and the Beast until you said it earlier. So. I know, but I'm, I, again, I'm a little like uncomfortable with connecting that because I really do think mm-hmm. that it's trying to do that, but also trying to make us think or, or to, to make us wonder about why we're equating Ed to the Beast, because I, I really yeah. do think that this is where like the crux of the issue really is. Mm-hmm. In, in in this episode like it talks a lot about that but I just I, honestly I just think that he looks so dashing in this outfit oh he does yeah I don't like the ribbons in his beard I think he would look better without them well uh, th- again that's the whole question like who suggested the bows in the beard because like <laughs> I do not believe that you could make Ed wear anything that he did not want to sure and so like but also, he's very worried about fitting in. So if Steed is telling him, oh, no, no, this is what you need to wear, he's going to be like, oh, 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 okay. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I feel like he's going to defer to him because he wants to fit in. That's fair. And then once he gets his bearings, once he's in there a little bit, then he thinks he's got the lay of the land and he gets really comfortable. Yeah. But at first, he's going into complete unknown territory. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I also think you that- tell me what to wear. 
Yeah, I also think that the ribbons and the beard are a way to contrast with like the story of the 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 coils that a historical yeah, Blackbeard yeah. would put in his beard. Mm-hmm. And the fact that his beard is, I wouldn't say the source of his power, but the source of his um, his name and his his reputation. It's part of the image. Yeah, exactly. Softening those with bows, with purple bows, yeah. uh, you know, very much softens that image of mm-hmm. him. I think he would do best to rely on Frenchie's expertise than Steed's. Yeah. Since Frenchie has proven himself very knowledgeable of these things. Well, it's also that Frenchie <laughs> knows what it's like to navigate this world as a as a black man, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to Steed, who navigates this world as a white man. And yes. so, therefore, I, 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 I agree with you. I think that Frenchie would have a better understanding of how Jeff the Accountant should carry himself. And maybe they don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe this will prove that uh, mm-hmm. what ha- the events of the episode shows that he knows that so yeah there you go so he says that i like the name jeff and accounting sounds fancy as fuck <laughs> oh. okay good for you <laughs> he literally picked like the most boring boring job <laughs> but to him i mean he is Blackbeard the Pirate. What's the opposite of Blackbeard the Pirate? It's Jeff That's the Accountant. Jeff the Accountant. I agree. <laughs> is the opposite. I agree. It's a very modern name and title. Like, it's, yeah, it's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. So then Alawande is on there, too, dressed very nicely. And Frenchie introduces him as the Crown Prince Aziz of Egypt. And... <laughs> Declares himself his viceroy. I was wondering where they were going with that, and it was yes. gold. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, All one day asks, "What's a what does a viceroy do?" And Frenchie says, "Whatever the fuck he wants, babe." <laughs> <laughs> so Frenchie is like, "This is my chance. I'm wearing this really nice outfit. Let's go." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we come upon this party. And all of the the guests are dressed in these wigs and these really fancy outfits and all have very white powdered faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, it only it look, seems like the only guests that aren't dressed in that manner are Steed and uh, Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. But Steed does have like a powdered wig on. Yeah. Blackbeard does not. So... Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because like I did a sure. little, little tiny bit of research on this kind of makeup that was used during okay. that time. Mm-hmm. So historically, aristocrats would cover their face in white makeup for two reasons. Uh, one was basically sort of the same that we use foundation today, which is to hide blemishes and pimples, but then also things like ringworm and smallpox Ooh. and other skin diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second reason was to appear as if they never went outside. And that was a sign of wealth because it meant that you were not a laborer who spent time outside and had sunburn or darker skin from the sun. So having white skin was a sign of wealth. So I just feel like, again, the show is taking something that's historically accurate and then using it to send a message that feels very modern. Yes. And in that modern sense, when we look at them, they very much look like clowns. Yeah. They have the very dark lips. They mm-hmm. have the very white skin. 
and the way they are behaving is so garish. It's always their head thrown back in laughter Yeah, that it's, it's a very striking sight. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're kind of placed in Ed's shoes looking at this crowd, like, oh my gosh, you know, it's always these quick cuts to their faces where they're laughing. Mm -hmm. Even when they're not laughing at him, it's always this, it's always these lavish head thrown back, you know, hedonism kind of, kind of vibes here. Mm -hmm. So Steed is trying to, you know, trying to tell him how to navigate this party he wants him to give a witty anecdote, something funny. And yeah. he was talking about ga- gouging an eye out. And he's like, ah, maybe not. <laughs> not really the crowd for that. It's funny. He says, not really the crowd for skull talk. And then <laughs> we get to, he's immediately introduced as this Sir Godfrey Thornrose, who is a master phrenologist. Yes. So this is absolutely the crowd for skull this, talk. If yes. you want to put it in that. Uh, terms and you wanted to talk a little bit about phrenology yeah because I didn't know what it was at all Uh Um, so I knew and I knew that there's definitely racist undertones to it but it was all it was the study of like the bumps and dents and shape of your skull that informs you as as far as your um, your ethnicity your background your health and all kinds of things like that so that's kind of the the very basics of what I knew about it mm. but you researched a little bit right well yeah because I, I didn't know what it was so I had to google it I was like I don't mm. I don't get it um because originally I'm, I'm a little embarrassed but I'm gonna say it originally I thought that it was maybe like a fancy old-timey way to say hairdresser <laughs> oh okay because he started like, yeah, he started, with her like hair. touching her hair like yeah. not really her scalp right away he was like yeah. touching her hair so well, I was she's like, obviously oh. wearing a huge wig I was like how is he supposed to feel her skull when she's got this huge thing on her head yeah there you go it just but that's why I was very confused so I I decided to look it up and um I think that's also part of what the joke is here because Steed doesn't know yeah (laughs) you know so anyway it's like madam remove your headpiece yeah there you go um so like you said it's basically the study of the size and the shape of somebody's skull but to determine their mental abilities. Oh, oh well, yeah. that's worse than I thought. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> when I said it was racist, I did mean it. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, you know, phrenology was then used to say that people of different ethnicities had less abilities than white people. Mm. Um, yeah, so the more typical, the more typical um, Caucasian skull or, mm-hmm. or European skull you had, the apparently the better chance you'd have greater mental abilities. Basically, that's basically what it is. So just to be clear, um, it's a pseudoscience. It's not real. Um, right. And yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's been uh, linked, surprise, surprise, to racist practices wherever there was colonialism. So when I then went to look at um, academic literature, uh, it, it was basically linked to stuff in Rwanda, in South Africa. Um, yeah, basically wherever there was colonialism, there was phrenology and there was racism. Um, yeah. And phrenology used as a way to justify racism. Makes sense. Yep. Uh, makes sense that this is something they would value. Yeah, of they course. He was so amazing and... Yeah, so he asks him to palpitate his wife, which I don't think that's the word you use, but I don't know. Um, I just love Ed's reaction. Palpitate is like shake, 
right? And like pump. <laughs> I, I think it's, I think the correct word would be palpate. Palpate. Is that what they said? Did they say palpitate though? In I the think, transcript no, I they think said he's, palpitate. Yes. The, the character says palpitate. But yeah. I think when you're talking about touching something, it's palpate. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right. But you're palpitate. Right. And I think Ed is just like, well, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. His face is like, what is happening here? What do you want him to do to your wife? <laughs> so uh, Steed is trying to play a part. And he's also trying to impress these people. And he's also trying to impress Ed by how well he can impress these people. Yeah. And the not the worst part of the episode. It's a lovely part of the episode, but for me, because I love Steed so much, I hated seeing him fail in those I regards. Know, I know. Uh, I so he's trying to show that he can be this phrenologist, which he's not trained to be. I find it interesting here that he's again cosplaying someone else and having trouble being that person. Yes. Yeah. He asks if she's of Dutch descent and. And she says, no, she's Prussian. Mm. And so this, he's kind of failed the test. Yeah, there you know, you go. He, he isn't able to impress her. And, uh, and then this is when Ed speaks up and says, well, I killed a Prussian once. And everyone's like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, it's in self-defense. And everyone's still looking at him like he's crazy. And he says, sometimes a quick death's the best way to end a bad conversation. Which is so funny. And everyone <laughs> thinks it's ridiculous. Like, oh, well, of course he doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now they've kind of all focused on him. And Steed's kind of left there like, well, oh. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, this person that he was going to reveal the ways that he can exist in this society successfully has now overtaken him. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's just not very happy about it. And is also Uh, not listening to him, right? Because even though Steed did fail at being a phrenologist, which makes sense, I don't mm -hmm. think he would have overall uh, failed at just navigating the dinner had he not been somebody else. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's true. Yeah. If he was able to come as himself or as someone unknown. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, I think what really threw the wrench in the plan was, was the fact that he was recognized as a phrenologist but um i think it also shows that ed doesn't really trust his expertise you know he's like oh no this this guy doesn't really know what he's talking about like let's uh, i i can do this i can do this yes so we cut back to the revenge and izzy is lowering lucius down over the side of the ship to uh, presumably scrape the barnacles off of the ship they don't say exactly that's what they he wants him to do but uh, it, there's barnacles all over the side of the ship. He's lowering him down there. And that's a typical duty of someone on a ship. And he says he tweaked his lower back, getting lowered down, which is a, a, a through line from, from previous episodes where he has a back problem. And Izzy says he expects it to be done by sunset. <laughs> Lucia says, I hope you know how bad this is for my hands. Captain Bonnet will have your head if my calligraphy is negatively impacted in any way. <laughs> I love it. Like, oh. this is what he hired me for, for my calligraphy, not for scraping barnacles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because at this point, you know, like, he is, he's literally, Izzy is literally messing with Lucius's actual responsibilities on board. 
Yes. Right. And I think yeah. like, it's funny yeah. and all, and, and, and I, I think it's hilarious, but if we're looking at it as a real situation, again, like it's somebody putting a gay man at risk of losing his job just because. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because he's not happy the, with the way he's conducted himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Fang sticks his head over because Lucius is still yelling and he says, oh, he's gone. He says, oh, Fang, thank God. So okay, they they have a great rapport with Ivan and Fang. Right. You know, they seem to have really gotten to know them. They, you know, Ivan and Fang seem to be on the same level as the crew of the Revenge. They're yeah. just kind of easygoing. They're not scary big pirates, which is really nice. He asks Fang to haul him up and he's like, oh, I'm supposed to watch you. Make sure you do all this. And this is where Lucius decides to seduce Fang a little bit, or at least, you know, compliment yeah. him. And oh, no, there get was some seducing side. going on. Yeah. I, I like the word. I think it's accurate. Okay. <laughs> and he says, uh, has anyone ever told you of stunning cheekbones? Oh. You know, this is Lucius being 10 steps ahead of everyone and saying, okay, well, I, I'm, I can use this to my advantage. Yeah. And, um, Fang just starts giggling. He's this very large man and he could look very menacing, but as soon as he puts a giggle on his face, he's just, it reminds me of my dad. My dad oh. was a very large, very intimidating looking guy, but he was just a teddy bear. And as oh. soon as he got a smile on his face, it was just like, oh, okay. And Fang is so <laughs> handsome. Oh, he's so handsome. You know, yeah, I think really it was is. like that moment where being complimented just like allowed him to glow. And yeah. I was like, I love that. Aww, I love it. So he asks him if anyone has ever told him he had stunning cheekbones. And he says once or twice, I guess. <laughs> and giggles. And he asks, have you ever been sketched? Yes. <laughs> and it, then it cuts away. But it's like, okay, something's going yeah. on there. This is Lucius, great. Lucius has figured out how to get out of this. And good for yes. him. And again, like it, <laughs> it makes me wonder so much about his backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he has, he's a survivor. Oh yeah. Obviously. Oh yeah. He lives unapologetically and he survives. Mm -hmm. He does what he needs to do. And so. good for him. Yeah. It's amazing. So we cut back to the party and now everyone is enraptured with Ed telling stories. J Jeff, the accountant. <laughs> Jeff, the accountant. There I was living as sort of a God King among the cannibals of New Perry and they insisted I indulge if you get my drift. Yeah. And they said, Jeff, are you saying you've tasted human flesh? And he says, not really, no. And they, oh, okay. I did my best to get it down without tasting it. <laughs> <laughs> he is very much playing the part of a boisterous, boasting party guest who, who knows if people actually believe him or not, but mm -hmm. it's good entertainment. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Steed tries to pop in and say, oh, I I've traveled too. I've got an amusing anecdote. And they said, oh, Thorn Rose, will you never cease your incessant nattering? Mm. We are trying to hear Jeff. And then Blackbeard takes a couple of digs at Steed and says, oh, forgive my friend. Once he's palmed your cream a few times, it's impossible to shut him up. And they all kind of laugh at Steed. And it just makes me so sad. Yeah. He keeps going. He keeps going. He says, seriously, half the time I'm like, oh, Godfrey, will you stop fingering my dents and let me get back to Summit County? <laughs> it's like, oh, leave him alone. <laughs> you know, he didn't choose this. Yeah, exactly. He's so, not the one who wanted to go to the party. Right. 
And now we cut to Frenchie and Alawande. I think we skipped a part um, previously where they kind of set up the scheme. Ah, uh, there um, you go. I was like, I, I feel yeah. like I haven't heard about Frenchie in a while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah we, we kind of missed that That's part. That's fine. But so going back to that, uh, there's a party guest that they're speaking to. And they he says, I must say... Prince, you and your employee are two of the cleanest, most well-spoken Africans I've ever had the pleasure to meet. <laughs> and Frenchie is still very much playing the part like, oh, what a lovely thing to say. Alawande is like, what? <laughs> Excuse <Yeah>. me? <laughs> yeah. As he should. But, yes. you know, that's just, you know, yeah. you're just playing the part at this point. And so this is when we catch on that. Frenchie is setting something up. He oh, is yes. He is setting up a big scheme that's gonna pay off for them and he's just they're gonna get one over on all of these mm-hmm. party guests. If we're just gonna put words on 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 what's happening, I just wanna say that like as as we've clocked, you know, clean and well spoken are basically microaggressions. Sure. Um yeah. so just again to to be very blunt and open about it. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Because I don't want to point it out and not, I don't want to say it and not point out how horrible it is. Right, like, exactly. There you go. And need, it's, it, need, it's, you know, again. To make sure we tag those. Yeah, there you go. And it's based, and I think that this is also important for, for white people to, 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 to openly talk about. So, and that's part yeah. of the unlearning process, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Not things that you say to people. <laughs> right. And then, then the guest uses that as an opportunity to disparage their, uh, their servant, which Mm -hmm. is who is standing behind them. And he says, if only I could get my Africans to present with your bearing, stand up straight, Ashbeer, take a lesson from these two. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is just very difficult to Mm -hmm. listen to. Um, so Frenchie says, you know, oh, don't be too hard on the lad. Not everyone can be big dog Prince Z here. He's the descendant of a fabulously wealthy pharaoh. <laughs> and this is when he says, you know, a tragedy befell his massive fortune. It's locked away in a pyramid. And, oh, I shouldn't be saying this, but, you know, we have a scheme to retrieve the wealth, but we need the right kind of business partner. And this is when they cut away, you know, yeah. it's clear that they're angling to get someone to invest in their scheme, in their scheme. And I honestly, like I, this gave me such good for her trope vibes. Uh huh. And like, honestly, yeah. yeah, like go and swindle the rich racist people who think <laughs> right. of you as lesser than like, go yeah. ahead and do it, please. Do it. Please. Yeah. Especially because they're so dumb. They don't know anything actually about you. Mm-hmm. You can tell them all sorts of stories and lies and they will just eat it up. You yeah. know, you're one of the good ones yeah. is what they think. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, um, this is back to Frenchie and Alawande after, after we've cut away again. And they're collecting the money. And he's, Frenchie says, with any luck, this little pyramid scheme of ours will make us all very wealthy, <laughs> which is the joke. They, they are literally creating a pyramid scheme. Yes, which is and beautiful. So, <laughs> so they've made him a prince of Egypt and said that he, his money's in a pyramid so that they can <laughs> make a little joke that it's the modern day 
equivalent of a pyramid scheme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, a pyramid wants, scheme and this is a little different, but it is a little bit different. This is more like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, there you I go. Think. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like yeah. the the scammers that we get online. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, my bank, my money has been locked away in a bank account. I need a little bit of money to be able to retrieve it. Like, that's literally yes. exactly what's happening. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> right. honestly, it's delightful. Yes. Yeah, it's great. So he's making sure that everyone uh, is quiet about it. They don't talk to anyone else. And he keeps giving them receipts, though. Everyone gets a receipt. (laughs) So he, uh, Alawande says, how are you so good at this? And Frenchie says, I know a thing or two about this lot. And at this point, um, Abshir clears his throat and says, I can see what you all are doing. Mm -hmm. And it seems like he's upset about it. And they think, oh, oh, okay, hey. And he's like, no, 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 I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll set you up with an office so you seem a little bit more official. So mm-hmm. he lets him into them into a room that's an office that they can really get this scheme going. And so, and you see Frenchie giving him some money uh, when he and he didn't ask for money. He was like, "All right, let's go." And then when they're walking into the office, Frenchie just gives him some money. Yeah, I honestly I think that this again, like this, this shows like the the solidarity that should happen mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in order to fight back against oppression. Yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the parlor. Uh, I think this is a harpsichord. Yes, uh, it is. We were talking about harpsichords <laughs> <laughs> in a previous episode. This is a harpsichord. Maybe it's Mr. Just... Buttons finally finished it. Oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, so Steed and Ed are at the harpsichord. Ed is sitting at the harpsichord. Steed's standing behind him. And he, Ed says, I don't know what you're talking about. These people are great. So he's been completely uh, charmed. Not really charmed. He's gotten the attention he wants from them it's going well he hasn't had a downfall yet you can Mm -hmm. kind of see that it's gonna come even steed says well they seem that way at first don't they yeah you know and he says oh lighten up you're just sore because they like me more than you and he says it's a fickle crowd so then they see that ed is sitting at the harpsichord they said oh will you play us something and he says that he's not very musical and plus he only knows shanties and then of course when they get him to do it, he can play really well. And Steed goes, oh, for the love of you. Know, oh, come on. And like, oh, is there anything you can't do? Jesus, I brought you on here to impress you, not, not to be overshadowed. Um, I love that moment. I love it. Mm. And it's also very, like, you know, familiar when people, you know, in a couple, when somebody is always showing off and the other is like, oh, yes. my God, don't do this now. Like, you're embarrassing yeah. me. <laughs> And it's the look that Ed gives Steed, you know? He's like, oh, look yeah. at this. Look at what I can do. He's yeah. just so proud of himself. <laughs> yeah. So we cut back to the revenge, and Izzy looks over the bow and says, how's our Bonacle project coming? And he sees that the swing that he had lowered loose down on is completely empty. And we cut to Steed's bed. Obviously. <laughs> Fang is laying completely nude in steed's bed like posed and lucius is sketching him yes and you can't see the sketch just Mm -hmm. yet Mm -hmm. and fang says i've never had anyone take interest in my form before Mm -hmm. and lucius responds well you've never met anyone worth a damn then 
Mm. He says, oh, you're just being nice. <laughs> and Wee John walks in and says, hey, guys, the boss is looking for you. And they immediately, Fang immediately is like, oh, Blackbeard's back? Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no, 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 it's Izzy. And Fang says, oh, Izzy the spewer? Let him look. And that kind of piques Lucius's interest <laughs> because he is looking to get one over on Izzy. Oh, yeah. And come to find out, Blackbeard left him in charge once. They were in choppy seas. He vomited and and he said he shit himself too and <laughs> lots and lots. And they, at this point, Wee John looks at the sketch that Lucius made of Fang and says, oh, that's not a bad likeness. You've really captured something there. And Lucius winks at Fang and says, I'm just capturing what's there. Oh. And they cut to the sketch and it is just his penis. <laughs> I mean, it's his penis Nothing and balls. Like, it's, yes. it's a full set of male genitalia. <laughs> I have to say that I was not expecting that. Like, I was expecting, I was not expecting that. The, maybe the full shape of Fang, uh-huh. but I was not expecting like the close up on his penis. Like no, that was that was something. It was great. Yeah. It was so good. It was such a like jarring like cackle moment where I just kind of laughed out loud so hard. And this is the point where Izzy walks up and sees <laughs> this. He can see the sketch. He can see Fang and he yeah. goes, "What the fuck?" And I feel like, you know, in that moment, he, it it kind of re- represents like how we all feel about this moment for like what is happening here (laughs) well and i think he also completely recognizes that he is in over his goddamn head oh yeah for sure like okay i am not in my comfort zone there is shit happening here that i cannot handle yeah there you go he's like damn i don't know if i'm gonna be able to win over lucius now yeah There's just a small scene back on the party ship where uh, they're getting seated for dinner. Steed isn't with him. He's all, he kind of sulks away. He's, he's kind of done with being overshadowed by him and it's just kind of not going the way he wants it to. So this is Ed alone in the dining room, uh, looking over all of the, all of the forks Mm -hmm. and they're not placed in exactly the same position. Um, you can see that like the escargot fork, the lobster fork, all of that are placed above where like the dessert spoons would normally be. Yeah. And when he was training him and showing him, they were actually placed on the place setting. Mm-hmm. And so that probably leads to some confusion uh, because not all place settings are the same. Everyone kind of moves, customizes it depending on, you know, how you were trained or whatever. Yeah, I, so, I think it's a regional thing mostly. Yeah, probably, probably. So, uh, Steed probably showed him what he was used to, and these people do it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And so he's a little bit confused and thrown off and trying to remember what everything is. And this is the point where other party guests, especially the two main people, Mm -hmm. the the married couple, come up and say, oh, good, you're sitting next to me. And so then we cut away. Let's see. So we cut back to Alawande and Frenchie. And they're in the office now and they're really swindling all these people yeah. out of their out of their money. And Steed notices this big long line down the hallway of people waiting to come in and meet with with the Prince of Egypt. And he's like, Oh, what's going on? They, oh, we can't tell you. 
And so he sticks his face in and says, oh, hey, guys, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, nothing. And they have um, Abshir like close the door on his yeah. face. And it's very this very physical comic gag where he is literally getting his face squished and he's smiling real big. And he's like, ah, oh, hi, guys. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to literally stick his face in the doorway while he's getting squished. Yeah. <laughs> and so... He even says, I'm their captain. Hi. You know, yeah. and they're like, no, 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 no. Uh, Not right now. <laughs> yeah, go away. We're busy. And which, yeah. So now they cut back to the dinner and someone's, oh, I simply wouldn't be caught dead in Paris past spring. Would you, Jeff? And he's trying to, he's trying to manipulate his um, eating utensils and he's using very much the wrong very much the wrong utensils. Um, yeah. He's trying to eat like a, a prawn or something. And he's like using a mallet on it, like a little tiny mallet trying to hit it. And everyone's just kind of looking at him. Like, you know, everyone kind of stops what they're doing and starts looking at him. And so Gabriel, he says, Oh, why Jeff, you have such an interesting manner of eating. Hmm. And everyone kind of laughs and he goes, Oh, thank you. Cause he's taking it at face value. Yeah. And then he says, Hang on. That's um. passive aggression. And then he continues, whatever do you mean, Jeff? In that very over-the-top, you know, sarcastic way. Mm-hmm. You're doing it again. Stop that. I know what you're doing. It's not clever. What's not clever? I don't know if you have a problem with something that we are doing. You know, so it, <sighs> he is very much seeing the cutting remarks that mm-hmm. are that are cloaked in kindness. Uh, that yeah. steed warned well, him cloaked about. in politeness. I don't think there's yes, anything kind yes, about not it. Kindness. But, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's fine because I, 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 yeah, I just like in that moment. Again, if we can sort of like put it into words, what's actually happening? Like he's making fun of Ed because he doesn't know how to use the cutlery right, and then mm-hmm. after that, he gaslights him that he's not actually laugh, laughing at him, and that maybe right. Jeff is the one with the problem. Yes. And if we're kind of coming back to our idea of oppression and violence, like that is violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he stands up and says, do you all have any idea who I I am? Which is what he said to the captain of the previous ship that they had raided. He said, I will kill every last one of you. And of course they say, how will you do that, Jeff, the accountant, by boring us to death? Mm. Which at some point he could have revealed himself, but he, he's just, he's done. He's done. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, Steed was right. You're all fucking fickle. All of you. And he's running out of the dining room in this very exaggerated way. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, Billy Madison. I haven't actually. With Adam Sandler. Oh, no, but I think I know what you're talking about, the scene that you're talking about. I think I've seen that scene. The way he, um, the way he delivered his line and the way he was like holding his body was so reminiscent of Billy Madison when he's like trying to do cursive and he couldn't do it. And the teacher's, the teacher who he has a crush on is really roasting him and all of the kids are laughing at him and it's Mm. like third graders. And he says, I hate cursive and I hate all of you. And then he runs out of the classroom Mm. and the way that Ed leaves this dining room and exclaims that they're all fickle. Just, I just got such huge Billy Madison vibes over it. I was like, Whoa, that if they weren't thinking of that scene, you know, I, I would be shocked. Oh, uh, yeah. For I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
I think I think this is to kind of show like his inexperience with this kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to say with this kind of violence because I'm sure he has experienced it before, but I think oh, this sure. is like very up close and personal in a way that maybe he hasn't been exposed to before. Well, sure. He 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 had those scenes prior had to already happen for this to happen because he developed a sense of comfort. He felt like he was accepted. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought he was hilarious and they loved him. And so he thought he was in Yeah, and he thought that they weren't going to do that to him because they liked him. Yeah. And then he, he discovers that that's not. And again, it kind of comes back to the, the message of the, the captain at the beginning where, you know, even a rich donkey is still a donkey. And that's kind of to show how, Wow, sorry. <laughs> that just hit me. But yeah, it's it's to show that no matter how well you fit in as a as a black or indigenous person into white society, you are always going to be seen as a black or indigenous person. Yes. And never really in. Right. <sighs> wow. So, we cut to outside on the deck of this uh of the party vessel and Steed says, I was never very good at these things, which is interesting because, I mean, he didn't want to go to the party. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I will give him that. Mm-hmm. But he was leading Ed like he was the expert. Yeah. And now he's admitting I was never very good at these things. So mm-hmm. he know he knows what he should be doing, but he's probably never good at actually pulling those off. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Frenchie is really sweet. Frenchie is saying, yeah, from my experience, these things are meant to make you feel like a bit of a jackass. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're a decent person, you should feel like a jackass being at one of these parties. Yeah, honestly. there you go. Yeah. And I find, I find the choice of jackass kind of interesting if we're thinking mm-hmm. back to donkey also. That's true. Like it's, it's a That's little true. link here that I find interesting. So this is where Frenchie says he was in service for a minute and he knows the lay of the land. And trust me, servants, they see everything. Mm-hmm. And he says, these people are not so fancy. And this is when Blackbeard comes and he's very upset and he says he wants to go. And Steed asks, what did they do to you? Did something happen over dinner? And he says he used escargot tongs and a melon spoon to eat a prawn. And (laughs) Steed goes, oh, God. And Frenchie goes, oh, they're such dicks about spoons. I know. I love that. (laughs) I I only heard that line the second time around that I listened to it. I just like belly laughed because it's so true. It is true. Like, who cares? It's just a spoon. It's just a freaking Uh, spoon. (laughs) So he said, they laughed at me. Nobody laughs at me. And he pulls out his gun and he starts to load it. And Steed is like, no, we're not doing this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's like, this is not the kind of thing that they're going to see as punishment. This is not going to destroy their lives the way that they deserve to have their lives destroyed. Yeah. You will just be their enemy. They, they, you will have done this for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like he said, these are my people. I'll deal with it. Um, so we cut to the revenge and Izzy has, Lucius Sorry, I just I, the, again, like you saying those words, like, sort of like made me think of how wonderful that is of Steed to say. He's like, "These are yeah. my people. I will go and pick up my own trash. Like, yeah. I will, I yeah. will handle this. Like, because I am your ally." Yeah, and I love Which that. Is good. Yeah, I do love that. So we cut to Izzy and Lucius, 
and it's nighttime on the revenge. And Izzy says to Lucius, you're going to swab the deck twice, then patch the mainsail, oil and rewick the cannon, stack the munitions. And by the time you've done all that, I'll have several more chores for you. This is only Lucius getting this, which I understand he is very upset, but he's, he's not punishing Fang mm-hmm. for not watching Lucius. He's not punishing Black Pete. He's not, you know, he said very clearly, you are all getting specific duties. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Black Pete and Wee John have been just doing whatever they wanted. So, you know, he's really focused in on Lucius. <laughs> Lucius is just standing there, not impressed and just says, and what if I don't? Yeah. You're not my captain. And this is where Izzy says, I could spill all your beans. You've been a proper little seductress, haven't you? Black Pete, Fang, who else is there? Seductress again. Seductress. Yeah, that's he's true. feminizing him again. Yeah, that's true. And um, this is when Lucius calls over to Pete and he says, and Pete answers, yes, love. Mm. <laughs> and uh, he says, I drew Fang naked and he he laughs and says, nice. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's drawn most of us. And Lucia says, see, we don't own each other. Ooh, I love that line. Yeah. You know, cool. because again, he's, he's, you know, is he is, um, is really targeting Lucius because he's the one rebelling, not only through rebelling against his authority, but rebelling against his standards. And I really love that Lucius is openly telling Izzy that like his standards are not the standard. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is a very queer thing to do. Yes. And like, you're outnumbered here. We're all okay with what's happening. You're the only one who's not. Yeah. Yeah. So then he calls, Lucius calls him Dizzy Izzy. And (laughs) Izzy kind of perks up and he says, or is it Izzy the Spewer? It'd be a shame if the entire crew learned about that nickname, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. And Izzy is so angry. Oh yeah. Furious. (laughs) Furious. And he looks up, he's in his face. He says, go now. And Lucius doesn't take his opportunity to go. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that this is really interesting because at first it was, is he trying to like blackmail Lucius with like mm-hmm. the, 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 the threat of telling his secret? Be, so it's, sh- and in the end, it's Izzy that gets manipulated or, or yes. yeah, you know, rightfully manipulated, I would say, because of his secret. And so it, I think it really totally shows that Izzy does not assume who he is. He doesn't carry himself with actual confidence. It's all a show. Yes. Yes. I think it's interesting that Lucius said it'd be a shame if the entire crew learned about the nickname. I'm pretty sure the entire crew knows about the nickname. I mean, at this point. Or at least he'll tell him. I would think it would be a bigger threat to tell to say, what if Steed and Blackbeard knew? Yeah. You know, but he... I mean, maybe he's including them maybe. in that entire crew. But Izzy tells him to go now, and he doesn't necessarily back down and go, okay, I'm going to get out of your way. He's, he looks at him and says, have you ever been sketched? <laughs> I mean, he is just digging that knife oh, in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and again, good for him. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So Izzy uh, stomps off, and Lucius goes over, Wee John... He gives him a high five and Black Pete tells him that was hot. Yeah. Very cute. Very cute. Loved it. Loved that. Yes. Uh, that whole interaction was really interesting and lovely. Yes. Yeah. So we cut back to the party and it's 
this is Steed's moment. Steed walks in. They're all sitting in the parlor after dinner. They all just kind of laying around. And he says, um, I've noticed we have yet to play a game. And they're all just very annoyed by him. And he proposes the game Stark Revelations. And they, oh, I'm already bored. Yeah. And so he, of course, says, oh, it's a more of a Parisian game. And they're like, oh, well, we're just as sophisticated as any Parisian. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he decides, basically, this is just him revealing their secrets. And he reveals that... Um, one of the guests named Sebastian had a child out of wedlock named Daphne, which happens to be the name of the daughter of one of the guests. And they're like, oh, isn't that the name of your child? Uh, Siegfried struggles financially. He's embezzling from his business partner. They're all very, very shocked by that. And mm -hmm. then Gabriel and Antoinette are married and he asks uh, when did they meet? How did they meet? And one of them says at a ball and the other one says at a picnic. And he says, you see, I think you might have met at birth, seeing as how you're actually siblings. <laughs> and he's kind of like reading something in his hand. He's like, yeah. he, had, he obviously has notes, you know, of, of all this information. They are all very, very upset. And Sebastian pops up and says, you know, I don't need any of the money anymore. I'm going to be richer than all of you. I own half a pyramid. <laughs> and then one by one, they all stand up. I own half a pyramid. Wait, I own half a pyramid. <laughs> and they all have these receipts in their hand. The same you get receipt. half a pyramid and you get <laughs> yes. half a pyramid. <laughs> so they all just start fighting each other. Someone vomits on one another. Like it's everyone's crying it's and screaming pandemonium and steed is standing there with a huge smile on his face uh frenchy comes up with abshir and he says oh thank you for the information yeah and ed walks up just completely shocked says, what the hell did you do to them and steed says passive aggression yes exactly <laughs> i just i found that this scene was really interesting first because it mm. feels like it's the first time that ed really sees steed in full control of a situation yes Yes. And so I think that that helps him gain a little bit more respect for him. Yes. Um, so that's one thing. But then the other thing is that the pandemonium that happens in that room really reminded me of the pandemonium that happened on the looted ship at the very beginning oh, of the yeah, episode yeah. that was caused by huh. Ed. And yeah, take a step back at the very beginning. There's somebody on fire who is jumping off a ship. Uh -huh. Well, that happens yeah. in, in like right after oh, yeah. there's people yeah. on fire who are jumping off of the ship. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, true. like it's sort of, I don't the, know. The result was the same. Yes. The outcome. But they came about in two different ways. Yes. Yes. I, the way that I saw it is that they're wielding power differently, but that leads to the same outcome. And in wow. this case, That's it really was chaos. Cool. <laughs> And and caused by them, and they benefited from it. Like, yes, that's amazing. Right. And and when you think about it, Blackbeard did the first chaotic causation for Steed, uh -huh. and then Steed caused chaos for Ed after. Yes. yes. Oh, I love that. Uh, so, yeah. Chaos husbands. So, <laughs> yes. So Blackbeard says, when you cut loose, you really cut loose. Yeah. And he's just completely, like, shocked by all of this. And this is the point where an open flame somehow gets pushed on a cart 
into a curtain and everything starts to go up in flames and they're like, okay, we got to get out of here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so they are rowing back to their ship on a tender and uh, Alawande Frenchie asks Alawande, what did you do with our earnings? And he says, I reinvested them wisely. And we cut mm. to another tender of all of the uh, service workers have escaped the ship that is on fire. Yep. And they're counting the money and they're like, what are we going to do with all this money? And <laughs> he says, I don't know, sharpen the con a bit. We'll say I'm a Nigerian prince in terrible need of assistance, which is another <laughs> very modern common scam. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, Alawandi didn't need that money. I mean, you know, everyone can use money, obviously. Yeah. But he gets paid by Steed mm -hmm. and he saw a need for them rather than them being just on a tiny little boat rowing to nowhere and out of a job, they needed some money to start a new life basically, or to go somewhere else. So he saw a need and he filled it, which is amazing. Yeah. There you go. I really loved that. I think it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Now we cut to oh, one of my favorite scenes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm and... so excited for this. Okay. Go, 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 go. go. <laughs> We black, back to Blackbeard's mother. Mm -hmm. And again, she's saying, we're not, we're just not those kind of people. We never will be. Mm -hmm. And Blackbeard is standing on the deck of the Revenge looking out. There's a full moon. It's a beautiful night. Very calm. And he's just kind of looking down at the piece of red silk. And Steed walks up and says, I'm sorry tonight was a bit of a bust. And Ed says, no, no, mate, you were right. I wasn't ready. And Steed says, I don't know. I think you're very sophisticated. And he says, well, thank you. And he's looking down at the silk still, and Steed sees the silk and says, well, that's a lovely piece of silk you have there. Mm. And Blackbeard tries to downplay it. Oh, this tatty old thing. You know, this is clearly something extremely important to him. Yeah. From his mother, I'm assuming... She's no longer living or he no longer gets to see her, at least. And this is something he has held on to. And Steed says, well, sometimes the old things are the best things. Mm. And he says, may I? And he holds his hand out because he wants the silk, which is, is so beautiful. He treats it with reverence. Yeah. He, he, it's clearly not... He, Blackbeard has given no indication to Steed that this is something sentimental to him, mm -hmm. except for maybe the way he's holding it or the way he refers to it very, he refers to it very dismissively, but he's mm -hmm. still very protective of it. And he says, may I, he holds his hand out and he folds it and tucks it into his chest pocket as a pocket square, really beautifully offsetting it against the purple, this purple and red color of royalty you know yeah and he tucks it into his pocket as a pocket square and says there we go look at that you wear fine things well um. <sighs> <laughs> and he kind of scoffs and they kind of look at each other the camera pulls back and so they're just kind of in silhouette and they're just looking at each other and then it gets a little bit awkward and they say, oh, oh, okay, okay. And they kind of, yep, good night. And they kind of walk off to their corners, not before turning to look at each other. Mm -hmm. And it's very, 
very awkward, very flirtatious, very clear that there's some connection there that they are feeling and just, just the undertones of, of two people falling in love. There you go. I honestly, like when I was watching this scene, like I just loved that it was so openly romantic. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I love that we don't have to sit here and analyze the scene and somehow like have to prove that it's romantic. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's romantic, yeah. period. Because if this was um, Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan in Pirates of the Caribbean, this would be... Exactly. A romantic scene. And, that, and so that's the thing. It's a romantic and it, scene. And it is a romantic scene with Ed and Steed. Yeah. It, it, like, yes. in the moonlight, the fussing with his clothes, the cheering him up, the look, and, like, the breath that Ed takes after, like, being told a nice compliment. Like, and I also thought that, like, he leaned in. Like, he leaned yeah. in. And then when Steed <laughs> didn't lean in, like, he leaned back. Mm. And that's yeah. when, like, that awkward, like, walking away moment happened. But it's yeah. all romantic mm-hmm. and I just I love I love that we don't have to fight to yes to make people see it as romantic yes and the music we have to point out the music <laughs> yes absolutely the music which was very reminiscent of of something else that I've heard before mm-hmm. it is our outro music our good friend Jake Lionheart we had asked him to do to do a couple of uh, musical pieces for our podcast. And he hadn't seen the show, but he did a little bit of research and saw that this was a recurring theme whenever Ed and Steed were having these moments Mm. and decided to put that in uh, to our music. And we, not having seen the show, not having heard this (laughs) bit of piano yet, we're just like, oh, that's beautiful. Sure. Yeah, Perfect. I just love how we both went with it. We're like, yeah, yeah. let's let's do this. Let's Beautiful. trust Jake. Let's do it. Yeah. And and we and it was such a good decision. Yeah. And so of course when this scene started playing and that piano came up, I've heard it so much from editing that I was like, oh, yeah. music. Same. <laughs> I recognized it instantly too. I was like, oh my God, yeah. Jake. <laughs> and they do play it on the rowboat when they're rowing back to uh, the revenge when the ship is on fire. I hear, mm. I heard it a little bit then too. I didn't notice it then, actually. I uh, yeah. It it I didn't catch it on the first one, but I caught it on the second viewing. Okay. So it'll it'll pop out to us now, definitely, which is great. We go to the King of England. Oh yeah. Remember this? So this is kind of a stinger, kind of a setup for a, for future strife. Yeah. And they're in front of the King of England. They are showing a bloodied up uh, pirate flag with <laughs> the, the cat. cat, the cat sewn onto it. It's Frenchie's flag. So apparently they wrapped um, Nigel's body in it. Apparently, seems yeah. like it. Yeah. And he asks why there's blood all over it. it. Says it's the blood of your officers. They were brutalized aboard the vessel and slain. And in the case of brave Captain Badminton, my dear twin brother. Mm-hmm. And so now we see Admiral Badminton, who uh, has shorter hair. And he says, shorter oh, he's your yes, twin. That's right. Didn't he have lots more hair? Maybe. I mean, I don't know if he had like a hair piece on or anything. I don't remember 
necessarily, but he definitely has shorter hair or, or less hair. Mm -hmm. I think he has less hair. Okay. He said, didn't he have lots more hair? And <laughs> he gets a little defensive. Oh, I don't know. I suppose. <laughs> Not something I paid much, much attention to. <laughs> and again, I find it interesting that it's something attacking his masculinity because the ability to yes. grow hair is like a thing for men, right? And in, in, For some yeah. reason it is. Yes, yeah. it is. Even though, even though a lot of them lose it. Exactly. It's part of, it's, it's kind of a normal thing. <laughs> And it doesn't dictate whether you're more manly or less manly, Ooh, right. more masculine right. or less masculine. Right. If anything, you know, women don't typically lose hair. So maybe keeping your hair is, is more of a feminine trait. Ha huh? no. <laughs> But I mean, you know, I think, I think what you're trying, like what you're pointing out is that it's all bullshit. <laughs> it is all bullshit. It it's all bullshit. Completely. So let's just yeah. treat it as is and let just people right. be who they are. Right. So anyway, uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, they, the King of England has pledged the full force of the English Navy at Admiral Badminton's disposal to ride these cat bandits straight into hell. Yeah. So they are definitely, there is a target on Steed's cruise back mm -hmm. on the revenge. So I imagine we will see how this plays out on the rest of the episodes. Yeah. Is that your prediction? Well, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we'll see it. Yeah. Yeah. Moving into predictions. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see this happen. The next episode, again, these episodes are so short, yeah, you know, exactly. obviously, you know, time and space don't really matter in this yeah. show, but like, let's say they're going to need some time to make it to, uh, back to the Caribbean from, mm -hmm. from England. So hopefully maybe in the next couple of episodes we won't see it, but it'll definitely come up. I mean, but we're already on episode five and there's only I 10 know. episodes. So it's gotta we're halfway. Somehow. We're halfway. <laughs> that makes me so sad. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I think, I think my prediction on it. Okay. <sighs> am I doing a prediction or am I doing what I want to see in the next right. episode? <laughs> because you know. frankly, like I want... I want to see more of Steed and Ed, like becoming, like becoming friends, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, just getting to know each other. I would yeah. like to see more of that. And I'd also like to see more of Izzy's relationship with the rest of the crew. Yeah. And how Izzy is going to react to this like newfound friendship and intimacy between uh, Ed and Steed. And I am still worried about the whole, plan ed and izzy yeah seemed to have cooked up that he was definitely going to be blackbeard's replacement i know but you can tell that ed is already falling in love with him so you can tell that like that plan is going to get yeah. foiled like real quick right or at least but that's what izzy's I'm hoping. still definitely on board with it oh so it's like yeah. does he have to save face with izzy and say oh yeah 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 that's definitely what we're still doing mm. you know or does it does Izzy do things to undermine Steed because he still thinks that's the plan? Mm. Like, I, I want to see some of that play out too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Or, or maybe the plan could have been to, instead of putting Steed in his place, now he's like, maybe I just put Izzy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't true. know. Either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just well, don't, <laughs> like, I just. <laughs> I think I want like a, a fun little episode after where they're just like getting to know each other. Like that's what I want. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. Well, 
I think we're ready to head to the shore for a message in a bottle. This message reads, Sheer joy at seeing queerness just exist without having to make explanations or show some sort of coming out or trauma. To see love and sex and romanticism just be there because it's not something that has to be singled out. It's such a mundane thing in so many ways, but it is revolutionary for it. (sighs) Yeah. And I think that that's what I, so we talked about this already with the romantic scene between Steed and Ed, but like, I think that this also applies to Lucius and, and Black Pete and also with Fang and the fact that like Lucius has sketched most people on the revenge Yes. You know, like he is just allowed to exist and everybody is allowed to exist on the revenge, no matter yes. who they are. And I think that that's just like such a, a breath of fresh air. Like it feels safe. <laughs> yes. And when I'm challenging anyone who uh, has some homophobic bu- views, I always like to say, well, just change the gender identity of one of the people. And if it doesn't bother you, then then it shouldn't bother you here. Exactly. And if you changed the gender identity of Lucius, none of this would be a big problem. Mm-hmm. It would be mundane. It, it would be a trope, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't think we should have a problem here. Same thing with the moonlight scene with Ed and Steed. Yeah, there you if go. If this was a man and a woman, everyone would go, oh, yep, that's romantic. Mm-hmm. And so we shouldn't be worried and and question, was that romantic? You're allowed to see it as romantic. And you should see it as romantic. Is anyone questioning? I think I've, I think I've seen, uh, not in fandom, but maybe more general audiences who see it as a bromance until the end. And then <laughs> okay. they were very confused. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm sort of reminded of people like the mental gymnastics that people will do in order not to see something as queer. And I think that this is really one of those, like, this is not, like you said, like we, we were not hoodwinked by fandom. This yes. was not a hyperbole. Like it, yeah. it's, it's romantic period. Well, and Blink if you'll miss it. And queer coding, unfortunately, is not representation. You know, you're kind of both siding it. You know, you, I know that homophobic people say, well, I just don't want to see it. Uh, You all can do whatever you want, but I just don't want to see it. And it's like, okay. And oh, well, just don't shove it in my face. (laughs) And it's like, you know, we're just existing. Yeah. And you know, if you don't want it shoved in your face, look away, like mm-hmm. go somewhere else because it's, it's here, you know, and it's just, it's frustrating, um, when things are coded so that people can ignore it if they want, because yeah. it's a very safe view for heteronormative people to just ignore it and continue to live their lives as, Oh, what a nice bromance. Mm. And then they kiss and they're like, what? What happened? You know, and they're very confused. It came out of nowhere. Right. right. Like Taika Waititi came out and said, we created a romance, not a bromance. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that was David Jenkins. One of, you know, that was kind of their line was like, no, this is a romance, not a bromance. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You know. And that's kind of the thing. I think you mentioned something about queer coding. And like, so 
the thing is the origins of queer coding are an act of resistance historically, right? And I think that it's really important to acknowledge that when we talk about queer coding, but there is that second aspect, which you like talked about so well, which is that queer coding as a means. So I'm going to read off of my pinned tweet right now because it's, (laughs) it's like, Oh yes. I love it. Yes. I do know what this tweet is. Yeah. Which is queer coding as a means of resistance is an act of courage and queer coding as a means not to alienate your homophobic viewership is an act of betrayal. Yes. And I think it's really, sometimes it's really clear what's happening and sometimes it's unclear. And in in this case, like there is no coding. It just is. Yes, it just is. There you go. Well, and I've always said, based on what uh, we've experienced in the Supernatural fandom, I've always said open to interpretation is not not representation. representation. Exactly. It is not. No. So if when you leave it open for interpretation, you are leaving it so that people can pick and choose and decide not to see it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's great. And if you're allow you're quote unquote allowing queer people to read it in a queer lens, thank you. But also you're not representing us. No. So you don't get that badge of honor to say you're representing us. No, for sure. Exactly. You know. So yeah, so, yeah. It's this is this is refreshing and lovely, and I love it so much. I can't wait to watch episode six as soon as we stop recording. <laughs> I know, I know. I have to go and do stuff like life yeah, stuff. So you, you can't text me about this, okay? Okay, I won't. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be able to watch it either. So. <gasps> okay, but we will soon. Soon. Thank you for visiting the Gentleman Pirates Library. Please do wash your hands before reading. Who knows what kind of dirt you found on the deck. Please also subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. You can send us a message in a bottle using the link in their show notes and Twitter bio. Speaking of Twitter, you can find us at Gentleman Pirate. That's the word gentleman, P-I-R, and the number eight. We'll be back next week with our coverage of book six. ocean say to the pirate oh something see can you see me <laughs> i don't know nothing it just waved oh <laughs> so i am way overthinking those <laughs> yeah <laughs>